may block the screen just a little bit so I can see everybody and you'll just have to tell me do that or move it aside. Uh, glad you were here this morning. Uh, Tammy and I, we woke up at 5 o'clock to wind. The chimes were going crazy. Things were being blown in our yard and we thought, oh, today's the day we're going to meet inside. And then, of course, we get everything set up and all of a sudden that wind dies down. So God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? I'm going to ask you a personal question, and I don't want an answer, but it could be rhetorical. It may not be. And that is, have you ever experienced the presence of God? And, and I hope you have. I hope all of us have. And I want to just ask you, what thoughts come to you when, to your mind when people start talking about, you know, how the, the, the presence of God or... The, or um, start talking about the Holy Spirit because there's two camps uh, regarding the Holy Spirit and and really there's not two camps there's two extremes on one side we have people that say you know what I, I just get a little scared about the Holy Ghost because even the word ghost is in it I mean how many of you grew up with being the Holy Spirit being called the Holy Ghost and you think well ghosts are something to be afraid of you know, and so I don't want to get too close. I don't want to know too much about the Holy Spirit because it just sounds a little weird and it's a little frightening because I know that demons possess people. Do I really want a spirit to possess me? I mean, you think about it, you logically think about it. And so in some camps, people are like, yeah, we acknowledge the, the spirit, but we really talk more about God the Father and God the Son. And we really don't want to talk about God the Spirit, right? Then on the other side of the camp, you have people that all they want is the experience. All they want is, I just want to get in the presence of God. I want to get in the presence of God. But what they're looking for, it's not really the presence of God. They're really looking for some emotional response to what they're feeling. So those are the two camps, you know. And, and biblically, we're going to look at, at the Holy Spirit today and find out, well, okay, it's, it's wrong to, to treat the Holy Spirit like he's the redhead stepchild of the Trinity. Are you, are you with me on that? I have a redhead, so I can say that, right? A redhead stepchild. That means, well, I don't know about it, but I understand. Well, no, 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 no. Did you notice in the song that we just sang, we called the Holy Spirit Lord? We called him God? We said we want more of your presence right now. And, and so we can't be way over here and just be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit isn't to be anyone to be afraid of. And on the other side over here, we're not going to treat him like he's just this power. Because that's, that's the wrong camp too. When you start treating the Holy Spirit just like it's a power. Now, Mark Moore said this, and he's a Bible college professor. But I like what he said, so I'm going to quote him. It says the Holy Spirit does what he wants, where he wants, when he wants, and how he wants without your permission. Pretty good, right? He is infinitely creative and innately unpredictable and too large for any theological box we might construct. We can't put him in a box over on this side and we can't put him on a box over on this side. And then he says, the fact is the Holy Spirit tends to be claustrophobic. So by talking about his role, we are not predicting or constricting what he will do, but merely tracing what he has already done. Uh, oh, that's good. That, that's good. 
So I want to ask you a, a question that's really about this. Is the Holy Spirit a person or more of a power? Because if we don't understand what the Holy Spirit is, we're, we're not going to quite understand the implications if we treat him like a person or if we treat him like a power. Um, this camp doesn't acknowledge him. This camp just kind of sees him more as a power to tap into. So let's begin, and we're going to go kind of quick today. Uh, it's more about teaching than preaching, but we'll get some preaching in there, believe me. So the very first fill in the blank is this, and that is the Holy Spirit. Is he a person or a power? And I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit has emotions. Ephesians tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We can't grieve a power. You grieve a person has emotions, right? And then in Romans 5, it says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So that love that you feel, that's coming from the Holy Spirit. That's an emotion, and only people have emotions. You know, not a power. And as you know, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. All of those are relational items, aren't they? And so let's start thinking more and more biblically about the Holy Spirit as a person instead of a power. He's powerful, right? Oh, yeah, he's powerful. But he is a person. In fact, when Elizabeth uh, was pregnant with John the Baptist and Mary comes into the house, what happens when Elizabeth hears the greeting of Mary? What happens to the child inside? He's jumping up and down, right? That's emotional. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has emotions. Acts 13 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So a person has emotions. So the Holy Spirit is, it has emotions. Number two is this. The Holy Spirit has a mind. I know that sounds silly to say it that way, that the Holy Spirit has a mind, but too many people look at the Holy Spirit like, Star Wars, that it's a force, that it's pantheistic. That means it's in nature, mother nature. That's the, that, this unknowable spirit force that guides things. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit has an intellect, has a mind. In fact, it says this, that when you don't even know how to pray, and you're unclear in your mind, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you because he knows, because he has a mind. That's what it says in Romans. The he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints accordance to God's will. Or in John chapter 14 in the upper room, Jesus says it this way, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've ever said to you. Wow. Or in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, the, clear, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Or Acts chapter 8, when, when uh, Philip is told by the Holy Spirit, hey, run as fast as you can and catch that chariot and talk to the guy. Wow. Or Corinthians, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. I said all those passages really quick, but here's the point. 
The Holy Spirit has the power of speech. Wow. He has the power of choice. He has the ability to teach. And he has the ability to testify. So he has a mind. Number three is this. The Holy Spirit has a will. That's the fill in the blank will. Remember when Paul wanted to go into uh, uh, the region of Phrygia in Galatia, but having been kept by the Holy Spirit, he wasn't able to go in because the Holy Spirit stopped him. Stopped him. And then it says they came to the border. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So there are many other scriptures that define the Holy Spirit of person. He's a powerful person, but he's knowable and he's relatable. And the, I, I guess I want to say it this way. The Holy Spirit isn't some mystical, mystical, magical thing that's out there that is unknowable and scary and to be, something to be afraid of. He is a bona fide person. He is the third member of the Trinity. He's not to be discounted as the, well, just the leftover, because God's great, and then there's Jesus, oh, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the way we've kind of talked about the Holy Spirit? Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God because we talk about God the Father all the time. We talk about Jesus all the time. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're like, eh, I don't want to say anything about the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit is all throughout the, the entire Bible. He has emotions, intellect, and a will, and he has been given to you as a gift. Now, my wife is a gift to me, right? Amen. amen. Tammy's like, amen. <laughs> amen. My children are a gift. Say, amen. amen. My friends are a gift. Amen. How would it be if I treated you like an object instead of a person? How would you feel if I was going to approach our relationship not based on wife or child or friend, but as an object to use? Now I feel like Sometimes I felt when an employee or employer has used me. Have you ever had an employer use you like a thing and not as a person? Just get the job done. They don't care about you. They just care that the job gets done. What do you think the Holy Spirit feels like when we start treating him more like that? And yet the Holy Spirit is a better gift than Tammy, nothing personal. A better gift than my children. The Holy Spirit is a better gift than all of my friendships with you. I don't want to treat him then like an object. I want to treat him as a person because he's the third member of the Trinity. We should be able to sit down, open the word, and suddenly feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as if I have a cup of coffee and as if he has a cup of coffee. Or haven't you ever been on a beach or a mountaintop or a desert and suddenly you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and you just lift up your hands and start praising God? Because that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was a kid, I read this book called Horton Hears a Who. Have you read that book? Do you know, remember the tagline? A person's a person no matter how small. small. 
I can get my head wrapped around that, right? Where I struggle is the opposite. A person's a person's no, how, no matter how big. The Holy Spirit's big. Horton, you know, was looking at his little desk back. A person's a person no matter how small. I have to get my head, and you have to get your head wrapped around this idea. A person's a person no matter how big God is. He's still there. There's, it's, he is relational. So what, what kind of person is the Holy Spirit then? What kind? Well, we're going to go through these next five things pretty quick. First of all, and there's scripture reference for you. Here's the next fill in the blank. What kind of person is he? He's eternal. All throughout scripture, Hebrew says this. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God to cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death. Or in Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of what? God was hovering over the water. Second thing, we're going to go, like I said, quick. He, he's omniscient. God has revealed it to us by his spirit, Corinthians says. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. He is omniscient. The Holy Spirit, you can't fool him, can you? He knows exactly every thought that you've had. We're going to have. He's God. So don't try to pull a fast one on him. Third one is this. He's omnipotent. My message, he says in Corinthians, and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. He connects God, the Spirit to God's power. And so, yeah, he is powerful, but not to the point that we think of him as an object, but just a powerful person. Number four is this, he's omnipresent. Where can I go from his spirit, the psalmist says? If I go to heaven, he's there. If I go to the depths, he's there. I can't escape anywhere I go in this created universe. By the way, uni, one, verse, one universe, not poly, not die, two, just one. He is there. He is there. And the fifth one is this, he is God. Do you remember when Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to get on the inside click with the apostles? And they saw Barnabas, he went and sold a, a, a chunk of land, I-40 and, you know, I-17. Had a big old piece of property and he sold it. Would that be valuable, I-40 and I-17 up in Albuquerque? Yeah. And he goes and he puts it at the feet of the apostles and suddenly Barnabas is in the inside circle. Ananias and Sapphira go, hmm, I like, I like this. I can pay my way into the inner circle. So they go and sell a track of land. And then they come in and they present it before the apostles. And Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Because Peter said, how much did you sell it for? And he said, oh, I sold it for $100. How much are you giving? $100. And he says, why have you lied? And he says, you've lied to the spirit. And then he goes, and then of course, you know what happens to Ananias and Sapphira? They both drop dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. But he says this, you have not lied to men, but to who? 
to God. He's God. He's God. So, here we have this trinity. And I want to just say the Father is invisible. We get that. God is spirit, right? God, God cannot be seen. He is invisible and can only be seen through the Son. But the Father and Son can only be experienced through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? God's invisible, but we can see Jesus. But in order to experience both God the Father and God the, the Son, we have to have God the Spirit. And it is the Spirit that, that connects us. So we know that the Spirit is co-equal with God, the Father and God the Son, and He's a real person. Now the next logical question is, is well, what does He do? What does the Holy Spirit actually do? Now I know us guys, we get a bad rap. You know, if I, the first time I met Michael, I probably said, hey Michael, what do you do for a living? Because us guys are like that. We don't ask about children. We don't ask about any, you know, car, well, maybe cars, <laughs> but uh, motorcycles for sure. But the thing that guys do when we meet one another, we always ask each other, what do you do? Right? I don't know if you women do that, but us guys do that. And sometimes we get a bad rap for that. But once you understand a, a, a person, what they do, you kind of get a little insight into who they are and what they're about, right? So it is a fair question to ask, what does the Holy Spirit actually do? I mean, we understand he's God. We understand he's, he's personable. He's knowable. But what does he actually do according to Scripture? Because he has a, a job. He has a purpose, right? And it has huge implications for us. Now, there's some titles for him. Let me give you a few of the titles of, of the Holy Spirit. And I think you'll, your eyes will just start to go, oh, and just be opened a little bit more in your head. Like, ooh, wow, I didn't know that. Here are five titles that he has that relate to Jesus. Did you know that he is called the Spirit of Christ? He is also called the Spirit of Jesus Christ in Scripture. He is also, and we read just a moment ago, he's also called and referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. And he's referred to as the Spirit of his Son and Spirit of the Lord. Those are just five titles that connect the Spirit back to Jesus. And you'll see in just a moment, because we do have a text today. It's going to be in John chapter 16. But other titles that reveal his attributes... He's also known as one spirit, which shows about unity. And you know, in Revelation, you know, the number seven means perfection. And how many spirits are walking among the lampstands up in the book of Revelation? Can you guess? Seven. But it's really referencing the spirit, the one spirit. He's called the eternal spirit, the spirit of glory, the spirit of life, the spirit of holiness, the Holy One, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, spirit of truth, spirit of grace, spirit of adoption. He has lots of titles, doesn't he? He has lots of titles. So with that in mind, with that framework in mind, let's turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 because we have to have this framework out of John 16 so that we understand the titles, so we can understand what he's supposed to be doing in our life and what kind of relationship that we can have for him. It's kind of like 
the word president, we can say, well, he's the president. And then you have to say the president of what? President of Chick-fil-A? President of Pickwick? President of a country? Is he president of the Glee Club? Is, you know, and so this passage in John really clarifies what he, he is about. It's the framework, it's the context. So let's begin at verse 13 and just a few little verses out of chapter 16. It says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Jesus is talking. So he says he, he, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, if you had to have a job purpose description for the Holy Spirit, and all of his titles, all of his work, all of his activities, all the gifts he gives, he has one main focus, and that's to glorify Jesus. Did you know that? He's going to be our counselor. He's going to be our helper, but he is to, he is to glorify Jesus. The ministry of the Spirit is to be centered on none other than Jesus Christ. His ministry is not man-centered. His ministry is not about our gifts. His ministry is not about whether we have a great experience at church. I hope you realize that. His main job isn't even about himself or even about all of his powerful and miraculous miracles that still go on today. His ministry is all about glorifying Jesus. His ministry is about teaching us the words of Jesus. That's what the text said. The Holy Spirit never glorifies himself. He will only glorify Jesus. He'll transform us. He'll sanctify us. He convicts us. He rebukes us. But it's all in the context of for the glory of Jesus. And so by understanding the Holy Spirit's role, we can then judge any spiritual movement that's happening in the world today in regards to its biblical foundations if we see whether the Holy Spirit is behind it or not, right? You, want, you don't want to get involved in anything that the Holy Spirit's not involved in, right? That's right. Let me, let me read a, a quote from Chuck Swindoll. It's out of a book called Growing Deep in the Christian Life. It says, let me pass along something I hope you will never forget. If you get involved in a ministry that glorifies itself instead of Christ, the Spirit of God is not in that ministry. If you follow a leader that is getting the glory for that ministry instead of Christ, the Spirit of God is not empowering that leadership. If you're a part of a Christian school or a mission organization or a Christian camping ministry in which some other, someone other than Christ is being glorified, it's not being powered by the Holy Spirit. He said this, mark it down. The Spirit glorifies Christ. I'll go one step further, he says. If the Holy Spirit himself is being emphasized and 
uh, magnified, he's not in it. Christ is the one who is glorified when the Spirit is at work. He does his work behind the scenes, never in the limelight. And I admire that most about him. Isn't that interesting? That the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us be pointed to Jesus. That's what his role is. That's what he's all about. Pointing us back to Jesus. Now, so specifically, what does the Spirit do for us? There are seven things. First one is this one. He indwells us. He indwells us. John 7 says this. Whoever believes in me, Jesus is talking. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Living water's going to flow out of you, gonna flow out of you, flow out of you. And then he says this, by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so the Holy Spirit indwells us. He is a person, not a power that indwells us, that we communicate with, talk to. He understands you more than you understand yourself and he indwells you. That's personal, that's intimate. The second thing that he does is he convicts and reveals Jesus to men. So let's go to the next slide. He convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to men. Have you ever had a come to Jesus meeting that you didn't know you were going to? I hope you have. I hope that the Holy Spirit has grabbed you, sat you down on the edge of your bed, if that's what it took, at 3 a.m. and give you a good talking to. Or maybe a good word of encouragement. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us and reveals who Jesus really is. Not the Jesus of Hollywood, not the Jesus of your own making, but the scriptural Jesus of the Bible. He convicts us and, re and reveals Jesus to us. In John chapter 16, verse 8, it says, Jesus says, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. There are three sermons just there in and of itself. That he will convict us and reveal Jesus to us in regard to sin, to righteousness, and to judgment. He convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to men. I wouldn't know Jesus unless it had been the Holy Spirit revealing him. Do you realize that? Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the words of who? Jesus. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit and some guys. Right? The Holy Spirit and some guys. So we are being convicted by the Spirit. And that's why you have to be in the Word. You're grieving the spirit when you run away from the word, when you don't want to be in the word because he's there, not just to convict us, but to reveal who Jesus is. Don't you want the truth? Amen. Yes. Amen. Number three is this. 
Titus tells us that he gives us a new birth in Christ. Let me just read Titus to you. It says, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Woohoo! He gives us the new birth in Christ. I don't have to work for my salvation. Isn't that great? That's the greatest news in the world because I wouldn't make it. I don't know. If, I, I, I had my best friend Danny out. Uh, you know, he was my best man at my wedding. I've known Danny since like kindergarten, right? Danny was in the MGM program at school mentally gifted minds and so there were about 10 or 12 kids in my class that all got pulled out and they got to go to san diego zoo they got to go to museums they got to have all this special fun stuff because they had mentally gifted minds i could never measure up i was friends with those people but there was just this understanding that i didn't pass the muster to get into that exclusive click. It was exclusive too. And by the way, they all became doctors or lawyers. I mean, they're all very, very successful. Brain surgeons, you know, dentists. But how does that make you feel when you know you can't measure up? According to this, it isn't you who gives yourself a new birth. It is the Holy Spirit that gives you the birth. It isn't up to you. So we're all in the MGM program, right? We're all achieving this new birth through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! I measure up because what the Spirit has done for me. Uh, that, that's good news that I'm not on the outside looking in. I'm on the inside saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Number four. Number four is this. He teaches us the words of Jesus. Jesus says this in John 14, but the counselor whom the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will teach you all things and remind you what I've said. So even when we forget I don't know if you've ever been talking and, and, and you forgot something about Scripture and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that. Why? Holy Spirit is there with you at the coffee table and he is jarring your mind and memory. But here's, here's the naked truth. Can I say it that way? The naked truth. If you do not put this in your heart, how, in the, how is the Holy Spirit going to bring it to your mind? Amen. If you've never read it, how is the Holy Spirit going to bring it to the frontal lobe of your brain or to your spirit or to your soul? He can't. Do not hamstring and chain up and tie up the Holy Spirit. It says that he teaches us the words of Christ. And that's why we have to have this in our life. Number five is this. And we've kind of covered it in the uh, a moment ago, and that is he intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. Don't know, don't know how to pray about our nation right now. So much fraud going on, I don't know how to pray. You know what? I have peace. If this is the path that Jesus takes to come back, that uh, our nation goes into a civil war, who knows? You know, because of all the things that are going on. But th the thing is, is I don't know how to pray. 
I have no idea. So guess what? Spirit does. I want righteousness to reign. I want righteousness to reign. That's all I know. I want righteousness to reign. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans, with word that words can't even express. Number six is this. And this is probably one of my favorite things that the Holy Spirit does for us. And that is, he changes us and sanctifies us. I hope you're not the same person you were a year ago. I hope you're definitely not the same person you were five years ago. And I really, really hope that you're the different person from 10 or 15, 20 years ago. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's been changing you. And if you're not being changed, something's wrong. If you are not becoming more and more loving, more and more like Jesus, more and more like the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, stillness, self-control. If those things, if those fruits are shriveling up on you, there's something wrong. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you stay connected to me, you are going to bear fruit. It isn't up to whether you try to bear fruit. He will automatically bear fruit in you. That's if the Holy Spirit is changing you and sanctifying you. Second Thessalonians says it this way. We ought to always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. The Holy Spirit is changing us. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. I don't think you would have really liked me 35 years ago. Some of you would have. My wife did, right? <laughs> uh, how long have we been married? 36 years? 36 years. Okay, 37 years ago she did. Her family, maybe not. Do they now like me? Why? Because I've changed. Why? Because the Spirit's working in me. Why? Because that's his job. That's his role. Amen. It's not your job to change yourself. It's his job. You just have Amen. to be yielded to him. He'll do the changing. You, He'll do the changing. Number seven, and this is our last one. He gives us power to witness and gifts to serve. Amen. Amen. Gives us power to witness and gifts to serve. You're going to have an opportunity to share your testimony in the next few years. I guarantee it. There, there are things happening in, in our world that you're going to be called on the carpet and you're going to have to stand before a judge or a magistrate or something and give an account for why you did what you did. And I hope it leads back to Jesus, that the reason you're standing in front is just because I believe in Jesus. I was just told this morning that they shut down a funeral that happened yesterday here in Las Cruces. They, they broke up the funeral. They find the funeral home because there was a gathering of this size. And My people, friend. You're, okay, your friend. And, and it's like, okay, they're gonna have, somebody's going to have to go stand before a judge and has to pay a fine. And I hope that guy goes, no, I'm honoring the person because that's what believers do. They, they're honoring this man's faith or this woman's faith. That's why we have funerals. That's, and, and so there's going to be an opportunity to, to share coming. 
And it says that the Spirit will give you the power to witness and the gifts to serve one another. Hallelujah, praise God. I know we went, uh, today it was like drinking from a fire hydrant, right? A lot of water coming at you about the Holy Spirit. But here's your takeaways. Just, just remember this. The Holy Spirit isn't subpar in the Trinity. That the Holy Spirit is the, is the one who's with you. When you say, I've entered into the presence of God and you feel his peace and you feel his love and you feel his tranquility, it's the Spirit. God the Father and Jesus are in heaven, right? Seated next to the throne, and the Lamb of God. You know, the, and so we have the Holy Spirit. I want you to just challenge yourself to be thinking of him more as the person, the Spirit of Christ, if you want to say, all those other titles. But that's the presence you long for. That peace that surpasses understanding comes because the Holy Spirit is washing over you. Amen. Washing over you. Thank you, Jesus. Washing over you. you. No matter what's going on in your life, circumstances aren't important. The washing, the washing. Father God, I thank you for sending your spirit, for sending us the spirit of Jesus. Whatever title you, you have given us, we cling to, but let us understand how we can grieve you by not listening. And we want to repent of that and just start treating you as the welcomed guest that you are in this temple that we call our body. You are that welcome guest. And we praise you and we give you glory and glory. Amen and amen. In your name we pray. Amen. amen.